the goodness of the Lord. The goodness of the Lord. We thank him. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse number 7. I'm going to share some stuff with you today that's going to challenge us to be aware of where God has transitioned us and to begin to operate in that place. God is not moving us. He has moved us. I cannot say that enough. We are not going somewhere. We've went somewhere. Amen. And so, so what we're dealing with in this season is a measure of transitional revelation. Revelation that has to do with where we are no longer feeding us from where we came. And so the stuff that sustained you in the last season cannot sustain you anymore. Amen. Why is the word changing? Because your appetite has. And what can sustain you has. You've, we've went from glory to another glory. And from faith to another faith. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. If I'm going from faith to faith, that means I can only go from victory to greater victory. What happens when we begin to realize that we don't go from defeat to victory, we can only go from victory to greater victory, 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 to greater victory. What if there's dimensions of the victory that we have that we are yet to touch? Amen. That the Lord wants to begin to bring us and make us aware of so we can begin to experience them. He's doing a new thing. Shall we know it? Lose your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, I'm going to know about it. Matthew chapter 7. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 7. The Bible reads, Matthew 7, verse number 7. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be open unto you. Watch this. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh uh, it shall be open. Amen. You know what? Let's go to, let's backtrack to Matthew 6, verse 7. Broke our way. Let's do it this way Matthew 6, verse number 7. Everybody got that? It says here, very, very powerful, but when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Y'all read that? Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Verse 10, thy kingdom come, God. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. And thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Y'all see that? Amen. I want to revisit what we, we tapped on on Sunday. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26. Very, very <clears throat> briefly. Before I walk into this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 26. Bless his name. Because he's worthy of the praise. He and he alone. Come on, he and he alone. Him and him alone. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 26. Look at this, it's so, so powerful. Um, and we, we referred to this on last Sunday, and I may do so, a touch, a little bit of review on it as we go into what we're going to say today. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26, whose voice then shook the earth. 
But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken as of the things that are made, that those things which cannot be, be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Amen. Everybody see that? And I told you, we, I promised you we were going to go to Book of Revelations. I actually want to hit Sardis, but I want, I'm not going to be able to hit Sardis tonight, but I promise you we're going to go back to it because we need to hear what it's saying. But we're going to say some other things that will work us back there today. I want to go to the Book of Revelation, chapter number 4, verse number 1. God, I bless you. God, we bless you. There comes a time when your reflex is to worship. One preacher said, when in doubt, worship. That's the answer for everything. Revelation chapter 4, verse number 1. Look at this. It says, after this I looked, and behold, the door was open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. And around about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunders and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And therefore, and before the throne, there was a sea of glass like unto crystal, and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. Notice how many times we're saying throne. And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf, and the third beast, uh, had, a, uh, the third beast had the face of a man, and the fourth beast was... Uh, like a flying eagle and the four beasts had each of them six wings about him and they were full of eyes within and they rest not day and night saying holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty which was and is and is to come see we got to stop saying he's coming back he already came he's coming and he's still gonna come back ain't that what that verse says he was is and still what he ain't done coming, but he's coming right now. And he already came right now. Amen? Watch this, verse number 9. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever. Everybody shout worship. And cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. I'm going to keep on reading, and I ain't got too much more. Verse number 5, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. 
and I, I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. I want to deal with you from the topic and the perspective, thy kingdom come. Amen. I want to deal with you from the uh, topic and perspective, thy kingdom come, and just challenge some things that need to be shifted in our thinking to move us out of forms of godliness that don't give us access to the power of God to enter into his promises and influence like God has called us to influence. And so thy kingdom come. Father, we just thank you and we bless you right now that you speak and that you speak and stare us on tonight. And, and we would be surely all the more uh, aware to bless you in all things. <clears throat> we thank you and we bless you now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You, you may be seated in the house of God. I want to get back up Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8. Matthew chapter 6, excuse me, verse 7 and 8. Not 7, but 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. I want to point out something to you that's so, so key about these verses that set up everything about understanding the call of calling the kingdom to come, thy kingdom come. Amen. It says here, Jesus is talking about prayer, and he says, but when ye pray, he says, use not vain repetition. Everybody say vain repetition. As the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. Y'all see that? Jesus points out to us in this text, and it's so key that we hear this, that we can allow our prayer life to slip into vain repetition. Amen. Or our prayer life can enter into a place where it has no legitimate significance, value or importance in influencing the spiritual realm. Everybody follow what I'm saying? So it's not just about praying. Amen. Just pray your heart and you hear all these crazy things. Just pray what, what you have on your mind. That God, God is helping us to understand right now that praying within itself in general is not effective. Amen. Vain, now, if you pay close attention to the dialogue that Jesus speaks in, watch this. Vain repetition directly connects to need-driven prayer. I'm going to say that again. Vain repetition directly connects to need-driven prayer. But when you pray, use not vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. Go to verse number 8. If you look at verse number 8, vain repetition, amen, connects directly with need-driven prayer. But be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you would have need of before you ask. When my prayer is fueled by my needs, my prayer life becomes vain. Why does my prayer life become vain when my prayer life is fueled by my needs? Because our Father already knows what we need before we can ask him for what we need. So, therefore, if he already knows what I need before I can ask him for what I need, obviously the priority of my prayer ain't what I need. He already knows that. It's more important that you know he's your father than, than you tell him your need. 
I'm going to say that again. That's why it says, say, our father. It's more important that you know he's your father than he knows your need. Why? Because if you know he's your father, you know he's not going to let you go, y'all ain't hearing me, without your needs. Because it is vain to have need-driven prayer. Not to say you never speak of your needs in prayer, but your prayer is not driven by need because before you can ask for what you need, he already knows. Therefore, if he already knows what I need before I ask for it, then asking for what I need cannot be the priority of my prayer. Everybody follow what I'm saying? If our prayer life isn't to be need-driven, then it's not to be circumstantially based. Please let me talk just for a minute. I'm going to say it again. If our prayer life isn't to be need-driven, then it's not to be circumstantially based. Because what we need is based off of our circumstance. Can I break it down for you? Not having a job is the circumstance, right? What is the need? I need to get a job. That's the need. Even if you don't have a job, let me blow your mind. The priority of your prayer isn't father, give me a job because the father already knows you need a job before you ask for one. Oh man, I just, that just messed up a whole bunch of stuff. If our prayer life isn't to be need driven, then it's not to be circumstantially based because what we need is based off of our circumstances and the father already knows what we need before we can ask him. Everybody following what I'm saying? If Jesus doesn't want our prayer to be need-driven nor circumstantially based, what is to drive our prayer lives? What is thy kingdom come? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If it's not to be need-driven and circumstantially based, it must be thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The priority of our prayer is to be, God, let your kingdom come. How do we know when the kingdom has come? Because what already is in heaven will be functioning on earth. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Everybody find what I'm saying? God don't want you to get a checklist of everything you need and come to this prayer in the morning. That's not the agenda of prayer. You're going to end up having vain repetition. What's vain repetition? Vain repetition is me keep on asking for the same thing. He made me wait. He made me wait. Maybe it's because of what what you're supposed to be asking for. But you keep on asking for it. Send me a husband. Vain repetition. How many times have you asked for it? Right? Right? It's vain repetition, amen, because it's need-driven prayer instead of thy kingdom come prayer. What if thy kingdom coming fortifies you to the place where you won't die if you never get a husband? What if thy thy kingdom come can keep you? Amen? Why do we need to prioritize praying thy kingdom come? Because the church please hear me, on earth has placed a lot of things in heaven that are actually not in heaven. Amen. And we talked about this on last week. 
especially from the aspect of need-driven ministry and circumstantial preaching. God is going to change it. Things are going to get better for you. God is still going to do what he said. You went through a lot and now it's your season. He's turning it around for your favor. People come to church to hear about how God is going to meet their need. Am I telling the truth? And change their circumstance on earth like that's God's priority in heaven. I want to help you to understand right now that he is not jumping up and down when somebody's down here preaching. God is going to turn it around. It's going to get better for you. Trouble don't last always. He is, that is not what's going on in heaven. But when ye pray, use not vain repetition as the heathen do. Be, uh, but, hear me, be not ye therefore like unto them. Verse number eight, for your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask. If our needs and circumstances aren't to be the priority of our prayer life, how could it be the priority of the church that's the house of prayer? Have you ever asked that question? If circumstances and need is not to be the priority of your prayer life, I need a job, I need some money now, I need somebody to come, uh, turn on lights, I need this, I need this, then obviously that it cannot be the priority of the house of prayer. Jesus calls need-driven prayer vain repetition, and he also calls it, if you pay close attention to his dialogue, reflective of the prayer life of a heathen or somebody that's praying to him that really doesn't know him. A heathen is somebody that really don't know God. Amen. And so they pray need-driven prayers instead of thy kingdom come. Amen. Now, I said all that to say this because I knew I was going to challenge you tonight. So wouldn't circumstantial preaching and need-driven ministry make the church vain as well? Wouldn't the church become vain if um, circumstantial praying and need-driven prayer makes an individual vain? Wouldn't circumstantial preaching and need-driven ministry make a church vain? That, what I need y'all to understand right now, I'm trying to talk kingdom to you. Lord, but I know you got some issues and I know you got some problems. The good news is your father knows, can I tell you, what you have need of. Therefore, when you pray. I'm trying to give you power in prayer. Amen. There is a form of godliness that lacks any power. Amen. And it has now crept into our current ministry model and is keeping us from doing what heaven is doing. The church is so caught up into doing everything but what heaven is doing right now. And you, glory be to God. And as long as the church remains in a need-driven, circumstantial preaching paradigm, that church form becomes the holdup which keeps the kingdom from coming that we were supposed to be anointed to announce the coming of. What happens when my church service is actually in the way of the kingdom coming that I was supposed to be announcing to come? Amen? Whose voice? Watch this. I'm going to show you this. You can put up that first slide. And I'm going to teach in a minute, but I need y'all to understand that need-driven, you're going to get your breakthrough. It's your time. It's your season. That is not heaven's priority. Although while thy kingdom come, you will have your time. You will get your breakthroughs. And you, oh, glory be to God. Seek first the king. I'm trying to help. It's right in the Bible that you don't have to seek it to get it. And matter of fact, you aren't supposed to seek it to get it. You don't need a word about your next job. Thy kingdom come. Right? Right? 
And so the church has become vain and people who are still in sin come into church for breakthroughs that ain't even saved, never been filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. And we'll sit up and talk to somebody who is saved as if they're on the same level because we have become vain. Y'all ain't hearing me. And not made a difference between that which is holy and unholy, clean and unclean. Look at this, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26 and 27. We talked about this last week. Whose voice then shook the earth. Who? God's voice. He shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, yet once more, I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. Amen. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken as the things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken shall remain. The first time he spoke, he shook the earth. He shook the earth to reveal everything made in earth, amen, that was temporal, amen, so we would know the difference. Everything that's been made up. Do you understand that the enemy and the life that we're living in right now is a made up life? Do you understand that struggle with sin is made up, that lust is made up, that perversion is made up, that bondage is made up? All of these things are made up and there has to come a word that shakes our world to shake off of those things off of us. See, what happened was there was a time when you actually believed in the power of your bondage. And that's why your bondage could tie you up. But then there's a word that comes that shakes up your world and removes the things that were made and you realize what I thought I was addicted to never had me addicted. What I thought I loved. Y'all hear what I'm saying? All that happened was there was a word that entered your world and shook that which was made up by the father of lies and brought you back in the reality of truth. But now, therefore, he shakes not only the earth but heaven. Why? Because there's stuff that we'd have made up and put in heaven now. Y'all hear what I'm saying? And so God is raising up voices that will shake heaven. God is raising up voices that will shake up. Glory be to God. What I'm telling you is, is if you're under me and you're going to be a voice for the kingdom, you're a voice that's going to shake stuff up. You're not a voice that's going to hold status quo. You're not a voice that's going to allow and not call out so-called ministers of music that are playing to give people a breakthrough for a week so they can come back and pay their money again and get enough. Right? 2 Corinthians 4 and 18. While we look not on the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are what? Now hold on. What is your circumstance? Is it seen or unseen? What is your circumstance? Is it seen or unseen? Your money circumstances, is it seen or unseen? Your marriage circumstances, is it seen or unseen? Your job circumstances, is it seen or unseen? If it's seen, guess what? It's temporary. So now your father already knows what you have need of. So why are you going to go to a God you can't see and tell him about a whole bunch of stuff that's already passing? While we look not on the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are what? Temporal. But the things which are not seen, you you, you going there. I know you thought I went there. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Need and circumstances are seen things. Therefore, they are what? Temporal. Heaven isn't occupied. Heaven, please hear me. Heaven is not occupying its isness. Yeah. Heaven is not occupying its ionios. Heaven is not occupying its that which was and will always be with that which is passing away to get. Amen. 
So watch this. So I'm going to show you some stuff. Everybody say that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The only reason why I can preach this freely in this house is because your ears have been circumcised. Because the average churchgoer actually doesn't think they come for the kingdom, but they come for their miracle. They come for their breakthrough. They come for their what? And, and, and in the process have become vain concerning the kingdom coming. They cannot, they cannot be catalysts of the kingdom coming whatsoever. They don't even know what that is. What's the kingdom? Right? Building a new building. We establishing the kingdom. That building ain't got nothing to do with the kingdom. Amen? Revelation chapter 4 verse 1. Look at this. I'm going to show you this. It's so, so key. Amen. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, why did I go to Revelation? Because if we're ever going to really understand what's in heaven, there's only one book that shows us what goes on in heaven more than any other book. If we're, if we're actually going to embrace that truth, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven, there's only one book we can go to to know as it is in heaven. That's the book of Revelation. As I was riding down the street, God began to echo, echo thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done be on earth as it is in heaven. And then he began to say book of Revelation. Teach your people to bring them into kingdom consciousness. And so watch this. I want to share some stuff. Why am I going to deal with the kingdom and go to the book of Revelation? Because that's the place where heaven reveals what's done in heaven. Everybody following what I'm saying? How many of us are interested in what's going on in heaven? That's the question. And if not, why? Shoot, because I need a breakthrough. I need some more money. And, uh, I'm ready to get through this hard time. Amen? And don't understand that all of your answers is in thy kingdom come. Right? Revelation chapter 4, verse number 1. Look at this. It says, so powerful. After this, I looked and behold, a door was open in what? This is after the seven letters to the seven churches. He then opens the door in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up here there and I will show the thing, uh, I will show the things which must be hereafter. Y'all see that, right? Notice the wording, show the things which must be hereafter. Show the things which must be hereafter. Well, hold on. They already be. So the question is, it showed them things that must be hereafter, but showed them things that must be after where? Because it's already in heaven. So he's talking about stuff that's in heaven that's not in earth. I'm going to show thee things that must be hereafter on earth as it already in heaven. In heaven it already is. He ain't got to show you things that must be. It already be in heaven. He's looking at what be in heaven. But where is he talking about it must be here? Hereafter where? On earth. Everybody following what I'm saying? So, so now what John, was, what John looks at, watch this, in this book of Revelation, what he's looking at he hadn't seen yet on earth as he was looking up to 
heaven because uh, glory be to God and so and, and immediately now watch this immediately following this John if you track it and we already read it John actually sees the actual throne of God in heaven he sees the actual throne room in heaven and the actual eternal worship of heaven he sees all three of these things I will show thee things which must be hereafter be hereafter where on earth as it already is y'all hear me in heaven what Jesus is revealing to John is actual insight into eternal worship as it is in heaven which is actually not on the earth yet although the church is functioning on the earth see what God is trying to say is when you when we really get worship right see that will be done on earth as it is in heaven centers around one thing worship you know, sinner having living like king's kids, riding like king's kids, traveling like king's kids, eating like king's kids. It ain't got nothing to do with it. It has one thing that it centers around. It's worship. And when we get worship on earth as it is in heaven, folks will come in here and see angels. Y'all hear me? When we get worship right on earth as it is in heaven, people will look and see shining lights and see one that sitteth upon the throne. Glory be to God. When we get this thing right, folks will begin to hear lightnings and thunders and voices the presence of God will be heavy on people to transform their lives right so so now this is the crazy thing about it because we get so scared when we read the book of Revelation it's about the end of the world this is when God is mad this is when God want to get everybody right but but if you pay close attention to it all the judgments that destroyed the earth in Revelation 6 through 20. If you read it, 6 through 20 deals with the vials, the bowls, so forth. So all the outpourings of the judgments. All of the uh, judgments that destroyed the earth in Revelation 6 through 20 is because of the worship in heaven that's not in earth in Revelation 4 and 5. He shows why he has to destroy the earth because he shows in 4 or 5 what's happening in heaven and he has to destroy the earth in Revelation 6 through 20 because that ain't happening on earth as it is. Y'all hear me? As it is in heaven. So now the earth must be renovated to restore thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you understand that God is going to tear this thing down because worship ain't right? Do you understand that everything got to go because worship ain't right? Because when we worship God, you can pull a man that ain't never spoken his life and his tongue will be loose. You can pull a woman who ain't never walked and her hands are curled up and her hands will straighten out. God said you got to get this right. That will be done on earth as it is in heaven is about getting worship right. Amen. Glory be to God. They're not tracking and read somebody that comes and sits on a pew. I say, you better give me a word so I can get through. Track it. it we ain't got, we, we, we're not there yet and not near there. It does not reflect the believer or nor the worship in the presence of God right. yet. But there's some renovations coming that will be done on earth. Come on, as it is in heaven. That's why he said pray it. Amen. Because the saint that sits on God is the one that actually thinks they know God. And if you really knew God, you would understand nothing close to God stays quiet. Nothing close to God ever stops worshiping. You want to know somebody not close to God? Know the one that's intellectual but not a worshiper. They ain't close. You ain't close to God. Amen. 
Everything close to God worships. Right? As it is in heaven can be summed up in three words. As it is in heaven can be summed up in three words. As it is in heaven can be summed up in three words before the throne. Read it, track it. Read Revelation 4 and watch how many times you see throne, 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 throne. Everything being described is before the throne. Glory be to God. And I'm going to read it. Revelation chapter 4 verse 2. Look at this. And immediately I was in the spirit and behold a what? And was set in heaven and one sat on that throne. Y'all see that? Verse number 3. And and. He that sat was to look upon like jasper and sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. Go to verse number four. Now look, this is where it gets powerful. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, four and twenty seats, twenty-four seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. In heaven, it's all about being before the throne. But the seat, now you got to pay attention to the seats. We pay attention to the 24 elders, but it mentions the 24 seats before it mentions the 24 elders. But those seats indicate to us the position that gives us the only legal right to remain before the throne. As worshipers, we can remain before the throne in one position only, seated. Y'all ain't here. And we are seated with him in heavenly places far above every principality. In other words, there's a God said I am not putting men before my throne I'm putting seats before my throne and I'm gonna figure out who can remain seated and only those who can remain seated will stay before the throne he said I'm not putting men before the throne I'm putting seats before the throne and if you can sit see sitting is a posture that declares it's already y'all hear me done even when you get sick I stay seated even when you threaten me, I stay seated. Even when I get the wrong report, I stay seated. Why? Because I understand that's the only way I could ever be before the throne of God. In other words, this position in this seat comes to those who trust God. Trusting God gives me a seat. God gives me a seat. And that seat gives me a permanent place before the throne of God. You'll never find somebody that's stressed out before the throne. Stop following them up. Somebody that's like, no, no, because you, you, you're not before the throne if you ain't sitting down. Sit while I make your, y'all hear me, your enemies your footstool. Being seated means not worrying. Being seated means not fighting. Being seated means not focusing on what the enemy is trying to do. The devil is busy. Don't follow them up. They're going to take you away from the throne. In heaven, the devil, oh, glory be to God. Oh, glory to God. It's not striving. It's not trying to be seen. Not living for promotion and notoriety. Being seated speaks of a lifestyle that declares the battle does not belong unto me, but the battle belongs to the Lord. Being seated speaks of trusting God. Trusting God gives you access to being seated, and being seated gives you a permanent position before the throne. Everybody follow what I'm saying? 
In other words, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Isn't when a circumstance rises, say, God, change it. God, God, move. The Bible says, come boldly to the throne of grace to receive what you need. And a lot of people equate that to the throne of the kingdom of God. There are different thrones because in heaven there is no needs. That's a different throne. All needs are met in heaven. I need you to change it. Well, you can't be before the throne. I need you to move because I can't take this no more. Well, you can't be before the throne. That's only for people who stay seated and the God of peace shall crush Satan under your feet totally. The elders had permanent seats because they knew how to sit. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? Those 24 elders were seated, and if you pay attention, they never stand. They go from seated to prostrate. And they cast down their crowns. Then they go back from seated to prostrate. They, can, they never, ever stand up forever. They live in an existence called seated. They live in an existence called no weapon form. They live in an existence called I'll never be stressed. I'll never be overtaken. God will never put more on me than I can bear. No weapon formed against me is able to prosper. They live in an existence called though I make my bed in hell, I know he's with me. They go from seated to prostrate, back to seated. Seated to prostrate, back to seated. They never worry about having to... I believe the only, the only legal right to real worship starts not from a standing position, but a seated position. Amen. That's why I believe that the God, God gave the disciples the spirit of peace before he filled them with the Holy Spirit. And that's why I believe that we lack the filling of the Holy Spirit in this season because people don't understand the importance of receiving peace first. Pouring can only come on the platform of peace. If there is no peace, there can be no outpouring. You are not going to get filled with the Holy Ghost stressed out saying, God, fix it fast or I'm going to lose it. That, that, you are not in a posture to get feeling. You'll never get filled like that. Amen? You got to learn how to tarry and stay sit still in one place, giving God the glory. Amen? Those 24, now watch this, and it's so key. If we know how to sit, we'll always have a seat. Now, that's simple, but it's profound. If we know how to sit, we'll always have a seat. The seats are always there. Amen. It's, the, it's a matter of whether we're going to sit or not. And that seat that we'll have is before the throne. So this is what I need you all to understand. Being seated isn't circumstantial, but eternal. Being seated isn't circumstantial. I don't say, whew. God worked it out, I can sit down. I sit down before God works it out. It is, it, it is eternal. It is not circumstantial. Read Revelations 4 and 4. And round about the throne were four and 20 what? Seats forever. Those 24 elders have eternal seats before the throne of God. They sit eternally no matter what is happening. Thy will be done on earth earth as it is in heaven. Me being seated is completely detached from my circumstance and is an internal posture I have a right to remain in through trusting God. Amen? So, so, so what does that mean? That means I sit when the bills are paid and I sit when the bills ain't paid. 
That means I sit when I'm sick and I sit when I'm healed. Glory. That means I sit when I know how it's going to work out and I sit when I don't know how it's going to work out. That means I sit when I see it changing and I sit when I don't see nothing changing. Why? Because if I stay seated in all circumstances, I'll stay before the throne in all circumstances. So if I am going to have pain, I'm going to have pain in his presence. If I am going to have issue, it's going to be in his presence I have that issue and I guarantee you ain't going to know I'm going through glory. You ain't even going to know I'm going through what I'm going through because God gives you a game face. Glory be to God because every now and again the devil will try to peep you out to see if you're getting weak but God gives you a game face called seated. Glory be to God. And so now I'm like a tree planted by the rivers of living water who bringeth forth his fruit in his season and my leaf never winter. In winter I still got green leaves. When it's hot I still got green leaves. When things are working I still got this. When they're not working. In other words God is saying worship is something that is of a existence outside of circumstance. Worship can never be within. It's, it's on a higher level than any circumstance. Do you understand that those elders are sitting right now? Come on, there's volcanoes in Hawaii. And they're sitting saying, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and praise. Come on, they just had another school shooting. That's 23 for the year. And guess what those 24-hour elders are doing? They're sitting there saying, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and praise. Come on, glory be to God. There, was, there were uh, three people that just came out the closet uh, and saying, we're going to have sex changes. Uh, thou art worthy, O Lord, uh, to receive glory, honor, and praise. Uh, they just passed a new bill to legalize abortion in new states. Uh, but those 24 elders are sitting there saying, thou art worthy, O Lord, uh, to receive glory, honor, and prayer. It still ain't equal. Education ain't equal. It's hard for the black man. Y'all ain't hear what I'm saying, but God, they're still sitting here saying, thou art worthy. Maybe if we would just embrace thy will be done on earth as an ikashata, we would be a lot farther than what we are. Don't that make you mad when you crying and feel like you're ready to give up? You know what those angels are saying? Holy. When you feel like you can't go no further, guess what they're doing? Holy. Because there is a level of worship when you get before the throne that's above anything you see. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Those that understand that will be done on earth as it is in heaven understand that circumstance doesn't alter sitting. Y'all hear what I'm saying? I dealt with circumstance last week. Circumstance does not alter sitting. Amen? Now look at this. Revelation chapter 4 verse 8. I'll share a couple of things with you. If you could go there. Revelation chapter 4 verse 8. Amen. And I can only scratch the surface of this, and I promise we're going to get it. We're going to eventually get it all. Revelation chapter 4, verse 8. I want to read this. It says here, 
and the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day or night, saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Go to verse number nine. And look what it says. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, peep it, verse number 10, the four and 20 elders do what? Fall down. Amen. I guarantee you it hurts a lot more falling down when you're standing than falling down when you're sitting. They just fall down. They don't stand up. They just go down. When they hear him saying, holy, 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 they, they fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever. This is about eternity. And cast their crowns before the throne saying, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Do y'all catch that? The only topic of worship in heaven is his holiness and worth and not our circumstances. I'm going to say that again. The only topic of worship in heaven is his holiness and his worth worth and not our circumstances. Not, Lord, I worship you because you bring me out. Not, Lord, I worship you because you're Jehovah Jireh. Not, Lord, I worship you because you're my mind regulator. Holy, 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 and you are worthy. You are worthy when things are fighting against me and when they're not. You are holy when I like what's happening in my life and when I don't like what's happening in my life. Thy kingdom come and thy will be The only topic of worship in heaven is holiness and worth, not our circumstance or need. God. Talk about a revelation. Amen. Our circumstances have no place before the throne if thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because before the throne, you understand that God is in complete control even when it seems like things are getting out of control. See, when you get before the throne, you recognize that the tribulations in earth were poured out from the throne in heaven. Why do we actually think the devil does stuff that God didn't allow him to do? Because we ain't before the throne. But if you were before the throne, you would have watched the angel pour out the vial that took peace from the earth. If you were before the throne, you would have watched the angel pour out the bowl that loosed the four angels at the river Euphrates to loose the four winds and begin to terrorize the earth. You would have watched the angel that dropped down and opened the bottomless pit that caused locusts to come from the ground and darkness to cover the earth. It came from the throne. They're going to change it. Change came from the throne. Right. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Ain't that something? And he, he loosed. You know who loosed that seal? It was a red horse that had the power to take peace from the earth. Guess who loosed it? The Lamb of God that was slain from the foundations of the world. Everybody killing each other. Don't nobody like each other, but guess what? He, it, was, it came from the throne, so thou art worthy, O Lord. God, man. Why? Because this is the only way thy will will ever be done on earth. As it is in heaven. Watch this. Revelation chapter 5, verse number 1. Amen. Revelation 5, verse number 1. Amen. I already know I can't preach this everywhere. I'm so glad that we've carved out a place called home. 
where the truth can be preached freely. You see, you got to learn how to appreciate a home where truth can go forth freely. Revelation chapter 5, verse number 1. Now watch this. I'm about, this is going to blow your mind. If, if, you, if you read it and track it, it will blow your mind. There's a lot of other things we're going to cover, but I just want to hit this today. Revelation 5, verse number 1. Watch this. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. Y'all see that? Watch this. Verse number 2. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. Verse 3, watch this. <clears throat> so powerful. And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. Did y'all read that? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. Do y'all, all of that extravagant worship. Come on. Did y'all, all of that excessive, demonstrative, eternal worship that took place in chapter number four. Do y'all understand the level of worship that took place in chapter four? Yet all of those worshipers revealed in chapter number four, none of them were found worthy to open the book in Revelation chapter number five. Now, what am I trying to say? And this is where we get in trouble. Oh, God. Can I say this? Being a worshiper doesn't necessarily qualify you to open the book and reveal the revelation of Christ in it. Oh, I get in trouble right there. After all that worship, none of those worshipers qualified to open the book. It doesn't matter how much presence God of God comes in when you sing. That don't mean you qualify to open the book. It doesn't matter how weighty the Shekinah is when you are worshiping up on this stage. That doesn't mean you qualify to open the book. It doesn't matter what happens when you dance, when you wave, when you are whirl, whatever you do, that doesn't qualify you to crack the seals of the revelation of Christ. Why is it so important for us to make that point that just because you can sing and God's presence comes or just because you can dance and God feel the anointing, that does not qualify you to open the book. See, there's a difference between teaching out the book and opening the book. That everybody can teach out the book, but everybody can't open the revelation that's in the book. Nobody, no, Don't nobody, everybody qualify for that. And because there's so many people that are teaching the book that don't qualify to open the book, everybody thinks they can preach. But when real preachers rise up, people realize I really can't open it like that. Amen? And so now, so why is it so important for us to make that point? Why? Because thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, worship is not by circumstance, but by his holiness and his worth. What does the musically gifted man or woman tend to do? Come on, y'all know they tend to make worship about need and circumstance. Come on, y'all sit up there and act like those weren't our jams. I need you now. I need you now. Ain't that right? Never would have made it. Your change is coming. Your breakthrough is on the way. And we're saying, man, this is heaven. But all circumstantial topics. God, I know I'm getting in trouble right here. Hey, man, that, that's why we got to have voices that shake up. Because I don't care how many goosebumps you got. You still left dysfunctional and defeated. 
I don't care how good you felt. You still, you still left feeling better but not free because that can't free you. Only thrown. Amen. How many people you know cry when they hear those songs and still go and sing because that ain't thrown? It's circumstantial. All circumstantial topics. So when they preach the Bible, they're going to preach it from a circumstantial paradigm that actually hinders the kingdom of God from coming. All of heaven, can I help you all understand something? All of heaven never wants to sing. Never would have made it. Heaven can't stand that and will never sing it. Amen. My change is coming. Heaven ain't going to never sing that and don't want to. You know the only thing that heaven wants more than anything else? To find somebody that can open the book. God, all of heaven sits around. Glory be to God and find somebody that can open the book. See, uh, you pay attention and track it. After all that worthy, 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 after all that casting down of crowns, after all that holy, 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 after all the presence of God they experienced with Jasper and Sardine, John wept. He wept after all that worship because there was nobody found that could open the book and reveal the revelation of who Christ was. We must, people of God, please hear me. Amen, I'm exhorting you on tonight. We must recapture the necessity of someone who is qualified to open the book even if the glory falls, even if the Shekinah comes. Don't you dare say it's too weighty. We can't stand to minister. There's glory. We miss God because there's too much glory in here. We don't need to preach today because you're referring to the building of Solomon's temple and I'm going to tell you why that don't apply to us. Uh, glory be to God. You're referring to when uh, Solomon finished building his temple and the glory fell after the sacrifices where the ministers couldn't stand the minister. But the problem was that was out of uh, an outdated covenant. Uh, that was out of an inferior covenant that even if they did open the book, uh, the book that they were reading was concealed from them because they were reading it through the lens of the law and grace and truth comes through Jesus Christ. I want you to understand that heaven don't want us to sing all day. Heaven want to find somebody that can open the book. Heaven don't want to sit up here and dance all day. Heaven want to find somebody that can open the book and open revelation and bring insight and show light. Sit up there and cry all day and sing kumbaya. And it has its place. Amen. Wow. What I'm here to tell you is we're about to enter into a place, and we already have entered into that place, where the glory is going to get greater and greater. The glory is going to get greater and greater. It already is greater, but it's going to get greater than what it is. But we will not ever neglect to open the book. I, can't, we will ne the, I don't care if for two straight hours the glory fall, folks get slain, open, uh, uh, blinded eyes get open, deaf ears. I'm, I'm talking about two and a half hours. Uh, glory be to God. that We just sit up here and watch people get healed. Oh, God must not want us to preach. No, after you get healed, good. After your eyes get open, good. You can follow the scriptures while I'm going over them. Glory be to God. After your ears are open, good. You can listen to the preaching. Y'all ain't hear what I'm saying. Why? Because it was the word that got us healed. 
here. Y'all ain't hear what I'm saying? So why in the world would we stop preaching the very word that brought us into the place we are? I don't care how much glory comes, we open in the book. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, open the book. We snotted and rolled around too long and stayed in bondage and sin. Amen? We must recapture the importance of opening the book. And just because you can worship and bring presence don't mean you can open the book, but you help to become the locator. See, what? glory be to God. You help to become. See, good worship locates the preacher in a man. Good worship causes something to begin to stir in a man of God. And you locate the preacher. Amen. We should weep when we give the expression of song and we don't open the book. Why? Why should we do that? This hands us over to need-driven prayer and circumstantial preaching, which disqualifies us from being catalysts which can now cause thy will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Glory be to God. See, it ain't even about whether you can get a message out of the book. It's about whether the book opens itself to you. Y'all know that, right? Does the book open itself to you? To the degree that other people read it and say, man, that was there and I never saw it. How could you see that? Because it was open. Amen. You got to find somebody that can open the book. So everybody don't think they can open the book. Amen. It should not be many teachers. For they shall be judged more harshly. Right. Revelation chapter 5 verse number 5. Look at this. Amen. Now watch this. It's so powerful. Amen. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. <laughs> Revelation chapter 5, verse number 5. Glory to the name of Jesus. Glory to the name of Jesus. See, what we got to understand is the presence of God and angelic presence is already here. I sat in my sister. She had a conversation with me. In the, and I know she don't mind me saying it. And if she do, I just apologize later. We had a conversation in the kitchen one time. And she didn't want to tell me because she saw him two weeks ago. She saw an angel two weeks ago that's always here when I preach. He is a young man. He is not grown and he is not a child. He's middle age. He's like JC's age. And he always stands in the corner while I'm preaching and follows me back to my office when I finish. And when she told me, she thought I was going to look at her like, oh, you crazy. No, that's exactly right. Because the more we get before the throne, the more you begin to see angels and things of that nature. And I always know there's somebody with me. Amen. Y'all think I'm crazy, ain't it? Glory be to God. I hope you think I'm crazy. I hope you think I'm lost my mind. I actually hope you do. I hope you think I've lost my mind because that means I have the mind of Christ. I hope you, I hope you understand my mind has been renewed. Amen. And I know that sometimes I see stuff and I turn and I don't see it, but I know I saw something. But I ain't crazy. I promise you I ain't creepy. I ain't spooky. I know that some of y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. But the Bible says that their angels see my face all the time. Aren't ministering angels? Read Hebrews 1. Why y'all looking at me like Hebrews 1 doesn't say that angels are sent to serve those who will inherit eternal life. You have a serving angel assigned to your life according to the scripture. 
What happens if we see him? Is he not real? Why was it a young man that stands in here while I preach? Because I'm called to the next generation. I'm called to the generation under me. I have an anointing. Every time I weep, that angel comes and covers me. She's sitting there telling me that with tears in her eyes, thinking I'm going to think she's crazy. And I know it because I feel stuff. There's stuff that comes upon me, and that's why it hits you the way that it hits you, because there's stuff that's happening all over me. It's true. Why do I start saying stuff like that? I'm willing to risk somebody saying that's too far for me for the people that understand and hear something on the inside. Even though I don't understand it, that's true. It's worth it for the remnant. Amen? It's worth it for the remnant. Revelation chapter 5, verse number 5. Watch this. Revelation chapter 5, verse number 5. Glory to his name. And one of the elders saith unto me, weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Y'all see that? And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven hordes and seven eyes, and our seven spirits of God sent forth unto all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And I beheld, lo, in the midst of the throne, and in the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as it had been slain. Obviously, we understand that this is a picture of Jesus. He was the lamb that was slain before what? The foundations of the world. Now, let me blow your mind. It's also a picture of us, the church, because we're his body. Y'all know that, right? When he died, we died. And when he rose, we rose. Right? Right? So it's a picture of us as well, his bride, his body. Amen? So now, what qualified Jesus to open the book? That's what I want to get to. He was yet standing before the throne slain. I'm going to say that again. He was yet standing before the throne slain. He was yet standing before the throne slain. Those who have permission to open the book are those who have made up their mind, I'm going to remain before the throne even in a slain condition. Y'all hear what I'm saying? So you want know slain means? Slain means butchered. Look up the Greek word. It means butchered. I'm going to remain before the throne even when my marriage is butchered. I'm going to remain before the throne even when my finances are butchered. I'm going to remain before the throne even when my life is being butchered. I'll be before the throne slain Amen. And if I have to, come on, we're talking about Job. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. If I am going to be hurt, I'm going to be hurt before the throne. If I'm going to be disappointed, I'm going to be disappointed. He was a lamb that like had been slain before the throne. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, have prevailed, overcome, to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. I overcome, please hear me, when I'm before the throne worshiping while wounded and my wounds aren't the topic of my worship. I overcome when I'm worshiping before the throne with wounds and my wounds aren't the topic of my Worship, his holiness is, his worth is. Those who are overcomers are uh, in the area of being able to open the book are those who can worship wounded without their womb being the main topic of their worship. He stood like a lamb before the shears and didn't say a mumbling word because what he was going through wasn't the topic. Glory be to God. He hangs on that cross. Why did 
does he hang on that cross? And he doesn't say nothing. My God, he's baking in 120 degree weather. He is bleeding internally, being suffocated by the blood that is now collecting and rising in his own lungs. His veins are ripped open in his hands. His veins are ripped open in his feet. They are walking by him, spitting on him. Glory be to God. And he never says this hurts. He never says this is too much. He never says this ain't right. He never opens his mouth because he recognizes worship. Father, into thy hand, I commit my spirit. I'm going to stay in... There comes times when your wounds aren't the topic. Nevertheless, not my will. Some of us can't get before the throne because we can't get off the topic of what we're, what we're frustrated with, what we're going through. And we actually become vain repetitioners, people who keep on bringing up something that never changes. Because maybe what needs to change it ain't you talking about it, but thy kingdom comes. Amen? So watch this. Amen? So, so key. Um, and I'm going to show you this, and I'm closing. Because a lot of people think still, even though I preach this message, circumstantial preaching. Am I telling you that as we preach the kingdom, we never hit on any of your circumstances? Absolutely not. Amen? We, we, will hit on, we may hit on financial circumstances, healing circumstances, so forth and so on. The Bible says that Jesus healed, he cast out devils. He did not preach on healing. He did not teach on casting out devils. He taught the kingdom of God. That what he did in the realm of miracles was only to testify of the words he was teaching. Amen. It wasn't the point. It was just what was supposed to point you to the point. The Bible says when they heard him teach, they were astonished. You know that's the same word they use when they, they rose Lazarus from the dead. They were astonished. His teaching was just as astonishing as raising somebody from the dead. That's how powerful it was. Amen? So watch this now. Let me show you this because a lot of us, I need you to get out of understanding that circumstantial preaching and need-driven ministry is not in heaven. Amen? And I need you to know that God don't even want you worrying about that. Amen? And I need to take you back to Matthew 6. I'm just going in a circle, and I'm closing. There's a lot more I want to hit. Amen? And I promise you I'm going to do it, but I need to get this first. And we will, I promise you we're going to continue on Sunday. I need to get this first. Amen? What I'm telling you is, as we tap into this glory that we're already in, some of you are going to begin to see other manifestations in this room while certain things are happening. You're going to see all type of stuff. And don't you dare think for a moment you're crazy. It's just what happens before the throne. Just what happens before the throne. Watch this. Matthew chapter 6, and I'm closing after this. This is such a powerful precept that I need, principle that I need you to understand. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 25. Now, this is after he says, and, um, pray thy kingdom come. He's still on the topic of the kingdom. Matthew 6 and verse Matthew 7 are both, are both about thy kingdom come. Amen. They're both about the same topic, and we'll tap back into 6 and 7 
later on. But I want to deal with this because I need y'all to catch this. Matthew 6, verse number 25. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment. Y'all see that? Now look at verse number 31. He repeats it seven, several more times. Matthew chapter 6. Therefore take no what? Thought. Saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be clothed? For after these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and all of these things. I'm trying to take you back in a circle. Shall be added to you. It's still about the kingdom. Right? Verse number 34. It ain't like Revelation, Jesus starts bringing up the kingdom. He's been doing that since he showed up on the scene. Now look, verse number 34. Take, he says it again. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought of itself. Notice he repeats at least four times from Matthew 6 verse 25 to the end of the chapter. Take no thought. Everybody say take no thought. Now, you got to think, uh, as you reflect on that, you got to take, that's so powerful and that's so deep. When I take something, he's talking about taking something. He, he said, take no thought. When I take something, it was in the possession of someone else, and I seize it from their possession to have it for myself. Take no thought. Jesus says, take no thought of what shall. Mm. take no thought from me and give it to a what shall happen circumstance take no man, if you got five dollars and I take it glory be to God and I have it I just took it he says you can take thoughts from me God, take no thought and you can give it to a what I don't know what shall happen circumstance a thought that actually belongs unto me I'm trying to talk kingdom because the kingdom says love me with all of your heart that's the kingdom with all of your mind with all of your strength don't take a thought this is what Jesus is saying that belongs to me to meditate on me to glorify me me, to bless me, to stand in awe of me, to interact with me, to love me, to be led by me, to talk with me with, uh, with all of your heart and with all of your mind and give it to a what shall be scenario. Many of us aren't stealing money, but we show stealing thoughts that belong to Jesus. Take no thought. Don't take a thought that belongs to me and give it to a circumstance that's up in the air that doesn't have a right to have my thought. Because those that meditate on me day and night shall be like trees. Don't allow current circumstances to cause you to take thoughts that belong to God and give it to a what shall. What shall happen to our finances? Don't let what shall happen to your finances take your thought. What shall happen to my job? Don't allow it to take your thought. What shall happen to my family? Don't allow it to take no thought. See, a lot of us sit up there and act like that ain't what it said. They said take no thought about what you shall eat, drink, and, and what you shall wear. But why are you worried about your job? Because you're worried about how we going to eat, how we going to put food on the table. How are we going to put clothes on the back? It's the same thing. 
It's the same thing. And God said, you're stealing thoughts that belong to me. He said, take no thought. Why? For after all these things do the Gentiles think. That's verse 32. After all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly father knoweth you have what? Need of all these things. For after all these things do the Gentiles do what? For after all these things do the Gentiles do what? The Gentiles take thought for all these things, therefore they seek all these things. Whatever takes your thoughts takes your seek. I'm hoping you get that because that's really, really heavy. And for me, that makes me guard my mind even all the more. Whatever takes your thought takes your seek. If the Father has your thoughts, he will have your seek. If living a certain lifestyle has your thoughts, you'll be seeking to live a certain lifestyle. If obtaining a certain status has your thoughts, then you will seek to obtain a certain status. They also, whatever takes your thought takes your seek. If having a financial stable future takes your thoughts, guess what? It takes your seek. You seek. I'm working because I, when I retire, I want to make sure everything is placed. I got all the money. I, but if it takes your thought, it takes your seek. He said, don't be like that because that's what the unbeliever does. They spend 65 years taking thoughts for their financial future, get it intact, and ain't got but five more years before they're dead. You spent 65 years to secure your retirement, and you died right after you retired. Take no thought. Does that mean be irresponsible? Does that mean be lazy? Does that mean not invest and not save? No, but just don't take, don't allow it to take your thought. Because if it takes your thought, it takes your seek. But seek ye the kingdom of God. And if you don't allow it to take your thoughts, then you can continue to keep your seek where it belongs. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. And while they are seeking to have a financial future, y'all hear what? I'm being given a financial future. While they're seeking to buy houses, I'm being given houses. While they're seeking to have a fly clothes, I'm being given fly You don't have to give your thoughts to it, God. To just give it to you when you seek first the kingdom of God. I said, if they're laughing, you busting your butt to get what God would give you if you would give him your seek and stop allowing it to take your thought. What I'm telling you is that take no thought of money don't mean you're going to be broke. Take no thought of money means God is going to make sure you got it. God Almighty. Why? Why, why, why? Because I'm seeking to try to balance out my finances. Why they ain't balancing out? Because you've left the affection and you've went after the addition. That's supposed to be added. That's supposed to be added. That's the kingdom. I'm worried about, well, I got to get a job because I know we got this baby on the way. And so I got to get this out. I got, we got this. We got that. We got this. We got that. We got to do this. We got to. And God said, look, the lilies of the field, neither toil nor spin. And Solomon in all of his glory wasn't dressed like one of them. That grass is here today and gone tomorrow. How much more shall your father in heaven give you what you need, O ye of little faith. 
Stop take, letting your job take your thoughts. What happens when you, while you're working, God still has your thoughts? I promise you he's going to bless your work. What happens when, with, when you're with the family that you want to see restored, he has your thoughts. I promise you can bring them together more than trying to figure out how you're going to bring them together. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. Come on, what's the kingdom of God? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The earth is full of it. Thou art worthy to receive glory. What's thy kingdom come? Thy will be done on earth as I stay seated. When the doctor's report comes in, I'm going to stay seated. My God, if they tell me I got a year to live, I'm going to stay seated. See, what you got to understand is even if you die in 365 days and God don't save your life, to be absent from the body, we got to really get kingdom in the season, is to be present with the Lord. What if the doctor tells you you got a year to live and God doesn't change that terminal illness but allows you to go home. Glory be to God. Then guess what? You still stay seated. I'll stay seated while I'm in hospice house just like I was in the health house because to be absent from the body y'all got to hear. Why in the world do we think it's a sin to die when if we, if we going to see Jesus we got to die? Look they was doing all that and now they gone. Shoot. And every day I'm six feet above the ground is a good day. You're going to die. The moment you were born, you started dying. You know that right now. You just spent two and a half more hours closer to your own grave just tonight. You're going to be in a coffin. What happens when we embrace kingdom? I guarantee you it'll change how you spend your time. You ain't going to get me to act in foolery. Glory be to God, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. I want to pray tonight. And I want to pray that we embrace this word and that we come out of the bondage of circumstance. I got my breakthrough. What you going to need next month? What happens when you learn you're free even when you're bound? And when I'm in physical chains, I'm still free. When I'm unemployed, I'm still free. When I got a pocket full of money, I'm still free. When I'm sick in my body, I'm still free. When I'm healthy, I'm still free. When everything is working in my family, I'm free. And when everything ain't working in my family, I'm free. Amen? What happens? We become overcomers. I want to break the bondage today of feeding off of circumstantial glory and need-driven church as if the church was created to minister to what shall pass away. And that's heaven's agenda. It is not heaven's agenda. But I promise you that if you seek first the kingdom, you'll get victory over everything you're facing. I want to pray tonight that the Lord does something to our hearts. I want to pray tonight that the Lord shifts your mind. I want to pray tonight that you receive this thing deep down 
in the deep, deepest depths of who you are that we can be conduits of the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. I want everybody just to, be, just to stand to your feet, and I'm just going to pray.